Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Beat My Guest. I'm your host, AJ Mass. If you're new to the show, each week I invite a guest to sit in the hot seat and field questions in a wide variety of topics, earning points for the episode on a scale of 1 to 100. For those of you playing along at home, you have but one task set before you, and that is to see if you can beat my guest. Mm, but before you can beat my guest, you need to meet my guest, so let's give a warm welcome to today's guest, Jeff Frank. Jeff! How are you, sir? I'm doing good, AJ. How's it going? Uh, things are going pretty good. It's been a bit, been a minute since you've been on the show, so why don't you uh, remind everybody a little bit about who you are, what you do, and what brings you here to the hot seat today. I'm Jeff Frank. I'm from Indianapolis, Indiana. Um, I'm just here to answer some questions and more than likely make a fool of myself more than once or twice, but I think we all know that's why we're here. Uh, well, some might argue that, some <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I, I hear what you're saying. Hopefully the questions won't be too crazy and uh, too difficult. And, uh, you know, at the end of the episode, since you're in Indianapolis, hopefully you'll be chugging some milk in the winner's circle or something like that. That's always the hope. <laughs> All right, Jeff. Well, uh, as always, as usual, there are going to be four rounds of four questions apiece. In each round, I'll let you know the categories in order they'll be using for that round. Before I read each question, you get to lock in how many points you wish each question to be worth. Get it right, you get the points. It is just that simple. And there'll also be a halftime bonus worth 10 points at the end of the game. You'll field what we call the confidence question, your last chance to try to improve your final score. But I will explain all of that when we get there. We cannot get there until we wave that flag and say, gentlemen, start your engines and uh, other auto racing references as well. Jeff, as you know, this season. Is our alphabet season, and every single episode will have, unless I say otherwise, every answer beginning with the same letter of the alphabet. That could be the first name of a person, the last name of a person. If we're talking about a title or something, it'll be at least one of the words in that title. Are you ready to find out what your uh, letter is for today? I'm ready. Well, if you are ready, then you already know, because you is the letter, sir. So prepare for all the excitement of a letter that sounds like a word in and of itself. You! <laughs> all right. And, of course, we're going to kick things off with round one, where the point values available to you are, as always, one, three, five, and seven. Here are the categories we're going to be starting with today, Jeff. We're going to kick things off with the mashup. Move along to everybody's favorite category from the season. Say it with me, if you like folks, only in Florida. Oh, I hear the cheering. I hear the cheering. Yes, it's going to be a good good one today. Uh, we're going to follow it up with Who Done It? And we're going to wrap up round one with literature. But first things are first. We have the mashup two answers smooshed together by a common word or syllable. Sir, how much would you like to wager on the mashup to kick things off? Um, you know what? I'm feeling lucky. Let's let's go with seven to start the game. Seven points, not following the uh, time-honored Kintad Svensgaard uh, strategy, and I thank you for that. Kintad, <laughs> come on, man. Come on, man. Anyway, <laughs> here's your seven-point mash-up question. Good luck. Tap out in the midst of a wrestling match by singing the Oscar-winning song from 1947. 1947 Oscar-winning song. Huh. Well, I know to tap out in a wrestling match is cry uncle. So, looking for an Oscar-winning song that starts with uncle. Hmm. Do I know this? Or maybe it starts with cry. Maybe it ends with cry. I don't know either. Hmm. 
Could be cry uncle or say uncle, but neither one of those is helping me. All right, my surely to be incorrect guess is, do you know the way to San Jose, uncle? Do you know the way to San Jose, Uncle? That is delightful. Uh, <laughs> uh, close, close, very, very close. Very, very close indeed. So, uh, indeed, when you tap out in the midst of a wrestling match, you either cry or say, Uncle, I actually have both options here written right down on the card. I wouldn't have uh, dinged you uh, for that. Uh, perhaps even begging Uncle would, would also be appropriate for there. Uh yeah, to tap out Mr. Wrestling Match, that's what you do. Uh, and if you were the person who sang the Oscar-winning song from 1947, uh, actually it was awarded the Oscar in 48, the song was sung in 1947. I was, is it I was, Uncle Remus? It is indeed Cry or Say Uncle Remus. I thought you were looking for the song title, not the person singing it. I misunderstood the question. <laughs> well, you know, these mashups are intentionally, uh, because you're parsing phrases together, uh, oblique in that way. The song is zippity doo da. Oh, that was poorly handled. I should have gotten that. From Song of the South, yeah. Uncle Remus uh, is the person who was singing and therefore... Cry, Uncle Remus, is the answer. You were close. You were almost there. I, you know, that's why the first round, the, the values are traditionally you lower. It gives you time to warm up in the hot seat until it gets to be blistering hot. And, uh, you know, you're, you're crying uncle yourself by the end of the episode. All right. Well, let us put that behind us, as Disney would probably want to put Song of the South behind them. Sure, certainly. <laughs> yeah, I, I did in the vault. Never let it out again. Only in Florida is next. And uh, only one, three, and five points are available for you for this one. What say ye, sir? Sure, these can be a little challenging. I'll, I'll go with one. One point for Only in Florida. I completely understand. Uh, let's see what that wacky state has for us today with our Only in Florida question for one point. Joel Benjamins a 71-year-old Gulfport man, was arrested for assault in April after he covered a woman with what while she was walking her dog? Okay. Hmm. Covered a woman with what as she was walking her dog? So I had one initial thought, which kind of seems silly, but I could kind of see how this story came about. The, the, the inclination is to want to say he covered her in some sort of um, I guess, liquid substance. I don't know. He threw something on her, maple syrup or mud or water. But the only thing I can think of that has a U involved is perhaps it was raining out. And and like most citizens of the state of Florida, he was trying to be a gentleman and chivalrous. And he, he covered her with an umbrella without her consent. And clearly in Florida, that, that would bring an assault charge. So um, the, the more I say it, I'm liking it more and more. I'm going to say he covered her with an umbrella. An umbrella, Ella, 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 is your answer. So, uh, you know, that's a, a very, very uh, sensible, sensible thought from you that uh, perhaps uh, it was raining. Unfortunately, no, no, uh, this was an assault for good reason and not an assault for simply maybe misunderstanding or uh, <laughs> not taking no for an answer. I, I thought perhaps that uh, some people out there might have thought he covered her with underwear. I, I'm not quite sure how, where, or why, but, um, you know, 
struggling for you words. This is a tough episode, to, let, me, let me say, in terms of coming up with these uh, answers here. You were on the right track with your initial uh, thought that perhaps it would be some sort of liquid. He had a water pistol, and he... Uh, oh, now I know. Yeah, he, uh, he fired a, a heap and helping of his own urine. Uh, of course he did. <laughs> Indeed. The sad thing is that in his statement to, to the, the police as they carted him away in the, in the paddy wagon, he was screaming, I'd do it again! I'd do it again! <laughs> uh, I, I really don't know. Uh, the, the headline was, of course, you're in trouble. So, uh, mm, mm. Well, when they, when they ran the water pistol through ballistics, it came back to seven other recent yearnings. Yeah. Oh man, the humanity. The humanity. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just gonna move along quickly. These first two, yeah, these two first two questions, the results uh not in your favor and quite quite tasteless. Hopefully we, we improve our uh our taste level as the questions move forward here. I think we did. Uh Who Done It is up next. You have the three and the five. Jeff, three or five for Who Done It? Oh well, let's go for five. Five points. Five points for Who Done It. I'm going to read you this little biographical blurb, and you tell me, well, who done it? Uh, the author of Industrial Society and Its Future, this Chicago-born man was subjected to extensive psychological abuse in a controversial Harvard experiment, which may help explain his subsequent bizarre behavior. Who done it? Industrial Society and Its Future. I've heard this title before. This is the... Uh... Long version of the uh, piece of literature that is usually considered his manifesto. So knowing knowing the theme of the game is the letter U, that, that brings me right back to Ted Kaczynski, otherwise known as the Unabomber. Ted Kaczynski, otherwise known as the Unabomber. This was indeed a uh, person who was quite intelligent, but uh, unfortunately... Uh, quite deranged as a result of this this horrific uh, experiment that went on for many years where the psychologists asked him to uh, offer up his opinions on subjects and then they would berate him and scream at him and tell him that he was wrong and stupid and worthless and uh, wouldn't you know it after four years of that he he had a mental break and uh, <laughs> I can't imagine how they they the, the, they couldn't see that coming. Uh, yeah, he uh, he then would start sending uh, explosives to universities and airlines. That's what the UNA stands for, universities and airlines. Uh, he was the UNA bomber, Ted Kaczynski, the UNA bomber. Correct, sir. Well done. Five points. Thank you, sir. Uh, interestingly enough, the uh, the famous artist's drawing of the Unabomber was not actually Ted Kaczynski. Uh, as it turns out, the, the woman who claimed that she saw this guy hanging out outside of one of the uh, sites of the explosions did actually see a guy. She just didn't see Ted Kaczynski. And although that guy was outside, that was not him at all. And so uh, everyone who thinks they know what the Unabomber looks like uh, for all those years are uh, hot on his trail. They were looking for the wrong guy. All right. Well, you are on the board. Five points, one pass to Tristan. Very well done. We have one question left in round one. It is going to be worth three points. It is going to be literature. Are you ready, sir? Yes. And here goes. What author debuted in 1958 with a poetry collection called The Carpentered Hen and Other Tame Creatures? Although he's perhaps 
better known for a book series about a man with a different animal nickname. Ah, 1958, he debuted with a poetry collection, best known for a character with a different animal nickname. All right, I should be able to figure this out. This is probably a children's author, or maybe not. Um, authors with a U name. There can't be that many.、Hmm. So it's not Shel Silverstein. It's not Doctor Seuss. It's not Roald Dahl. Um, it's not E.B. White. Maybe it's not a children's author. Hmm. It's not Richard Scarry. Well, I don't have anything. Hmm. 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 Not the Curious George authors. It's not Doctor Doolittle. I'm feeling I'm totally missing this. I have to figure out the character he wrote about with its animal nickname. But I don't know what that is. Probably was around in the 60s and 70s. He could still be around today. Oh, I got it. He wrote about a man named Rabbit. That brings us to John Updike. John Updike is your answer. I have to say, when、uh, we're dealing with this U episode, there are a paucity of options in a lot of categories.、Uh, I'm glad it took you a long time to to ponder on this. That、so、you didn't just go, oh well, there's only one U author. Boom, Leon Uris. No,、uh, yes. Uh, yeah, this guy,、uh, although he debuted with poetry,、uh, went on to write a series of books about a man named Harry Angstrom, who was better known by the nickname Rabbit. The Rabbit series of books and the author's name, as you correctly said, was John Updike. Three points for you. Well done, sir. Excellent job in that first round. Eight points out of possible sixteen. Fifty percent, I think, is、uh, quite admirable.、Uh, you are doing. Okay, that <laughs> doesn't work at all. I got nothing. It's you. It's hard. It's all right. You are doing unbelievably. There we go.、Uh, Unexceptional. Yeah, I got there. I got there. All right.、Uh, let's move on to round two, where the point values will go up to two, four, six, and eight. And here are the new categories we're gonna dust off for this round. We're gonna kick things off with movies, followed up with analogies, move along to sports. And we are going to wrap up round two and the first half with music. But first things first, movies are on tap. Two, four, six, or eight. Um, you know, it, it works so well in the first round. Let's let's start off with the eight. Movies for eight points. I wish you luck. I wish you well. I wish AJ would just answer the question. Here we go. Karate instructor Getty Watanabe spins a wheel of fish. In what movie from 1989? Okay,、um, this rings a bell. The Wheel of Fish. I remember this from some wacky movie, and、I、just have to place it in the right wacky movie, which is from 1989, and which starts with you.、Um, it's not The Usual Suspects. It's not the unbearable lightness of being. I think this is the. What I believe was the directorial debut of its director and star, who is man known as Weird Al Yankovic, and I, I have not seen this movie in many, many years. If I saw it, it was probably in the early '90s. But I'm fairly certain this is the movie known as UHF. UHF is your answer. So, yeah, that was that was a、uh, quite the high concept.、Uh... Scene where you have 
Getty Watanabe uh, typecast as usual. <laughs> well, go figure. He's Asian. Let's give him a, a, an Asian accent. He played a karate instructor. Uh, this was a, a movie about a television station, a very uh, low-budget television station, and the, the new general manager uh, tries everything, anything and everything, to try and get uh, ratings, including... A Wheel of Fortune parody called Wheel of Fish. This movie had uh, Michael Richards and a pre-Kramer Michael Richards, uh, where nobody knew who he was, uh, as uh, kind of a Pee-wee's Playhouse parody. A lot of parodies in this one from the writer and star of the film, as you said, Weird Al Yankovic. He didn't direct, but uh, he was involved in the writing of the film. Uh, And the name of the film, of course, is UHF. Eight points for you, sir. Well done. Unbelievable. Yeah, it's, um, I, I think my favorite part is uh, is just Getty Watanabe just screaming <laughs> screaming at the contestant, you're so stupid! I mean, I know it's got the thick accent, but the sentiment is still funny today. <laughs> of course. Uh, it's just like when he says, automobile! <laughs> In his John Hughes role. Also, didn't really quite hold up uh, to the taste test of time, but uh, you still got to chuckle at it. Uh, nonetheless... Stupid! You're so stupid! Alright, analogies is next. Two, four, or six points. How much are you going to wager on analogies? Uh, I will attempt to be as sly as a fox and go with four. Four points. Let's see how sly I was in this analogy. Four, four points. Good luck. And here's your question. Fringe is to the red universe as Stranger Things is to what? Fringe. I've never watched Fringe. I've never watched Stranger Things. The Red Universe. My understanding of Fringe is they travel to, uh, whether you call it a parallel dimension or an alternate universe or something. So I assume that's what the Red Universe is. And I've never watched Stranger Things, but I do know a little bit. I believe it's set in my home state of Indiana. And I do know that they travel also to a a uh, parallel reality that is called the Upside Down. The Upside Down is your answer. Yes, Stranger Things does take place in the town of Hawkins, Indiana, uh, which uh, now by season three seems to have grown in size from a really small town to uh, a town that uh, has a mall and seemingly a, a, a never-ending cast of extras to come in and populate the town fair. Oh uh, yeah, Fringe was a science fiction series at J.J. Uh, Abrams took place in our reality and uh, yeah, they opened up a portal to an alternate reality uh, most notably uh, an alternate reality where 9-11 did take place but it took place in Boston and not in New York and so the Twin Towers are still standing which is kind of how you could define the two uh, universes from each other it was it was a very very bold choice especially so fresh to the uh, to the incident itself, but uh, very, very well-written science fiction. Uh, that alternate universe was known as the Red Universe, the alternate universe in Stranger Things, where you can find things like demigorgons and mind flayers, is indeed called the Upside Down. That is four more points for you. Four questions in a row. Is it time to break up the band? I mean, what's going on here? <laughs> I hit my stride. I think there's something wrong with the thermostat in the hot seat. Hang on a second. Let me bang on it. Usually if you just bang on something, it starts working again. Isn't that how that works? Well done. We have two questions left in the half. Uh, Two points or six points. Sports is up next. Sir, what do you think? 
I am going for six. Going for six. Here is your six points for his question. Delbert Bingham was one of the standouts for what school that took part in the first ever NCAA basketball tournament, an eight-team affair held back in 1939? Okay. Um, I believe the first tournament was won by Stanford. Of course, the trick here is virtually every school has the word university in it. So the uh, the U letter, not necessarily going to be helpful. Um, this could be UCLA. It could be USC. It could be, could be a school with a U prominently placed. Or it could just be the university of literally anyone. I don't know the player. I don't know anything about that tournament except, as I said, I believe Stanford was the winner. So... What am I going to go with? Besides UCLA and USC, there are things like UTEP and UAB, UNLV. I don't know that they were a power back in the 50 years pre-Jerry Tarkanian days. Hmm. It could be another California school such as UCSB or any of the other various uh, California system schools. But... This is unfortunate. I guess I will. I'm going to hope that you you assumed UCLA is the mislead on a historic college basketball question, and I will uh, I will take a stab with their crosstown rivals, USC, University of Southern California. All right, the University of Southern California is your answer. Yeah, uh, yeah. actually, the correct answer was John Updike. John Updike. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah, no, plenty, as you said, plenty of other opportunities here uh, with, with the U uh, when we are dealing with universities. However, I was not that cruel at all uh, with it. The, uh, yeah, there were eight teams in the tournament. And uh, while a bulk of the uh, basketball powerhouses did come out of the, uh, at that time, Pac-8 conference, might even been back six way back then. Uh, the uh, school in question that won this tournament actually was Oregon. Oregon won the first tournament, beating oh, Ohio. Right. Yeah, they beat Ohio State forty-six to thirty-three, coming out of the West, winning the third-place game in the West thanks to the uh, up-tempo action of Delbert Bingham. And this was a team known as the Utah State Aggies. Certainly, of course it was. I think Stanford must have won the second or third one, if not the first. I, I don't want to be. I don't want to be just flowing out blatant falsehoods there. They certainly, like I said, a lot of the, a lot of the schools that won early on, uh, yeah, or had success were out of the uh, the what is now the Pac-12 conference, uh, and uh, yeah, UCLA eventually would go on their uh, uh, winning every year for a decade run, but uh, not quite at that level just yet. Uh, and of course, uh, is it the '30s? So you know, teams probably took a took a train and then uh, walked, and it took them two months to get there. So uh, that's why eight teams was probably uh, as good as you're going to get. So much so, in fact, I do believe the East uh, the East bracket did not even have a third place game because the teams had to go back home. They were ready <laughs> for traveling back home. So uh, anywho. I finally stumped you. Huzzah, huzzah for me. Uh, no, that's not the point of this game. But, uh, you know, there is a part of me that smiles. Nevertheless, uh, two points for music is all that is left in this half. Uh, let's see if we can get you back on the positive end of the ledger as we proceed into halftime. Are you ready for your music question, sir? I'm ready. For two points, here is your music question. Allie Campbell and Mickey Virtue were among the early members of what band? 
named after bureaucratic paperwork. Luckily, success did not go to their heads. Luckily, success did not go to their heads. I don't know what that clue means, but the government paperwork is that set off an alarm bell. I do know a band that is named after a particular form. I believe it's in the UK. And I don't know the names of the members, but I'm hoping I'm a down, going down the right path. And you're looking for the, uh, the pop uh, reggae-influenced band that is known as UB40. UB40 is your answer. Well, you did not get the clue. One of this band's most famous songs is a little ditty called Red Red Wine, which goes to your head. Yes, indeed. Unemployment benefits form number 40, because uh, they were working people. Unemployment benefits, a lot of people out of work in the town, and by way of protesting, they kind of adopted the UB40 form as their band name. UB40 is correct, sir. Well done. Thank you. I did. I did know the song "Red Red Wine." Apparently, I've never understood those lyrics, as I did not did not place those words in. <laughs> <laughs> well, there is a uh, strange thing uh, with uh, an attempt at a Jamaican patois kind of coming out of uh, Manchester Way or <laughs> wherever they're from in England. Three questions right in that round, though. Fourteen points out of a possible twenty. I'm going to add those fourteen to the eight you had coming into round two, and we are sitting pretty with twenty-two points at the half. I mean, I don't know how you did the last time you were on the show, but uh, this is a pretty good outing here, sir. Uh, how you feeling? I'm feeling good. I feel like I feel like I've had had a couple of shots I didn't uh, convert, but I've made some nice skits. So we'll see how it goes in the halftime question. Yeah, I mean, you know, feel free to indulge on all the red red wine you want at the half uh maybe it'll go to your head and uh slow you slow your roll a little bit no no i kid i kid here is how halftime works it is as you know our only partial credit question of the game i'm going to ask you this question and then we're going to pause a little bit for a brief message from our non-sponsors and when we return hopefully you will have the correct answers to the question so that you can add to your already way too high score of 22 here is the question for you sir and may i say for the halftime bonus i am saying otherwise we are going to uh ignore our you rule for this halftime bonus question the undertaker won 21 consecutive matches at wrestlemania prior to losing to brock lesnar in 2014 for two points each, I would like you to name for me any five of the first eight wrestlers to taste defeat at his cold, dead hands from 1991 through 1999. Take a few moments to think about your possible answers to this question, and we'll be back after the break. If you'd like to support Beat My Guest, helping to make more episodes like this possible, please consider becoming a patron, just like Matthew, Chris, Terry, and many others who have joined since the start of the season. Check out patreon.com slash beatmyguest for details. And now back to me for the second half of this week's episode. And welcome back to this week's episode of Beat My Guest. My guest this week is Jeff Frank. And when we last left Jeff, he was sitting on 22 points, working on the following halftime bonus question. The Undertaker, professional wrestler that he is, won 21 consecutive matches at WrestleMania prior to losing to Brock Lesnar in 2014. 
for two points each. I have asked Jeff to name for me any five of the first eight wrestlers to have tasted defeat at The Undertaker's cold, dead hands from the years 1991 to 1999. Jeff, whenever you're ready, let me know what you got. Uh, well, AJ, you've made a strategic error here in that uh, you went against a Sicilian and you asked a WrestleMania question. And, <laughs> but death, uh, is, death isn't on the line, is it? Um, well, it, it is if you're facing The Undertaker at WrestleMania. Um, <laughs> as the big boss man found out in 1999 when he, when he ended the match hanging from a noose at the top of the Hell in a Cell. But, but much like Uncle Remus, we probably shouldn't discuss that aspect. But I will go with the big boss man. Um, 1992 WrestleMania was right here in Indianapolis, Indiana, and I was in the building to watch uh, Jake the Snake Roberts uh, be dropped on his head with the Tombstone Piledriver right on the floor of the Hoosier Dome. So that's my second answer, Jake the Snake Roberts. Uh, my third answer is uh, The Undertaker's most longtime nemesis, uh, his, his brother Kane, who I believe now is the, the libertarian mayor of a small town in Tennessee. Um, so I hope everyone was watching this for obscure professional wrestler political IMs. And for my fourth answer, I will go with uh, his very first opponent at WrestleMania from 1991, which was Jimmy Superfly Snuka. And the last one was King Kong Bundy. All right. Those are indeed five wrestlers. The question is, are they correct answers? Uh, of course, you uh, have the smug cockiness of a professional wrestler there. Uh, <laughs> uh, but watch out behind you because you never know who's behind the curtain at Piper's Pit. Uh, so, yeah. So, uh, The Undertaker, of course, in more recent years, battled the likes of Triple H multiple times. And so, uh, though, in fact, uh, the first meeting between he and Triple H was the year after this window. So definitely there are plenty of answers, plenty of potential answers of people that he has beaten along the way. The first eight, however, starting from the beginning, one, of course, Mr. Jimmy Superfly Snuka. Uh, indeed, a correct answer there. Well done. Uh, the second one, as you said, most correctly, Jake the Snake Roberts. Two for two. You did not say the next man on the list, a former basketball player who once wrestled under the name El Gigante in world-class wrestling uh, and then came over to the WWF and uh, changed his name to the Giant Gonzalez. Uh, of course, the, the only match in this string uh, where he did not uh, win by pinfall, but uh, rather by DQ. Uh, then uh, we have a man who... Uh, I once dealt cards to, uh, he, he was a big uh, Pygow poker fan at the Atlantic City Casinos uh, over the years, and our paths crossed on many, many occasions. We sparred on the Pygow poker table uh, during my brief run as a uh, casino dealer. He died recently. He is, of course, the late, great King Kong Bundy. Another two points for you there. And then we have uh, Kevin Nash, who at the time was wrestling under the uh, alias of Diesel, father of uh, one-time Big Brother contestant Frank Udy. That would be Sid Vicious himself, uh, a.k.a. Psycho Sid. And the last two opponents. I should duck you points because Kane is his half-brother, not his full brother. But nevertheless, Kane is indeed brother of The Undertaker. Uh, and Big Boss Man was the last one on the list. You got five. You got the full ten points. Well done, sir. A ding, ding, ding. A hearty Mean Gene Okerlund shout-out to you. Who knew you'd be a wrestling guy? I, I mean... You know. my, my, my deep, dark secret. I, I've now been exposed for a national audience. 
uh, you know, there, there's, there's a, uh, there's a bevy of listeners out there who are going, oh, come on, AJ, you gave him such, such a, a no-brainer, gimme, easy question, and there's probably a equally large, if not larger, portion who are saying, AJ, I hate you, and gosh darn it, Jeff, gosh darn it. <laughs> I got the Hunger Games as my halftime question the last time, so this was a this was a bit of a makeup call. Oh, there you go. Well, you have no need to volunteer as tribute for uh, you got the full ten points on that one, which brings your score up to thirty two points, an incredibly healthy score. As we move into round three and kick off the second half, as always, as usual, the point values are going to stay exactly the same at two, four, six, and eight. However, we got to come up with four new categories, and this, sir, are the categories we'll be dusting off for round three here. Around the world, we'll kick things off. We will follow it up with television, move along to potpourri, and wrap up the round with Fungo, our three-of-a-kind question. And in the immortal words of Paul Bearer, how many points are you going to wager? Um, Let's go four on Around the World. Four points for around the world. <laughs> Here is your four point around the world question. Surrounded by five neighbors, what is the largest landlocked U country in the world in terms of area? All right. Largest landlocked U country. Um, well, the United States is not landlocked. Um, UK is not landlocked. Uruguay is not landlocked. Um, I believe Uzbekistan is landlocked. They are they are the country that I believe is supported by almost all of the other stands. Uh, the only other option I could think of would be Ukraine, which I don't believe is landlocked. They definitely border on the uh, Black Sea, if I'm not speaking incorrectly. But I don't know for certain that Uzbekistan is larger than Ukraine, but I'm pretty sure... Ukraine isn't landlocked. So I will lock in with Uzbekistan. Uzbekistan is your answer. Now, this would be a pretty silly question if there was only one landlocked U country. So there is another uh, landlocked U country. Uzbekistan is indeed landlocked. Uh, the other landlocked nation is Uganda down there in Africa. So the question then becomes which one is bigger? Is it Uzbekistan or is it Uganda? If I had asked in terms of population, why, then Uganda would have been the slam dunk winner here. I asked in terms of area, and Uzbekistan is almost exactly twice as big an area as Uganda. So Uzbekistan is the answer, and you get the four points. Sometimes not knowing how much you don't know is uh, beneficial to you. <laughs> but I always intended that to be a 50-50 question if, if uh, you were a... Uh, Someone who had memorized the atlas front and back. So, uh, well done. Well done, indeed. Kudos to you. Up next, sir, after your four points for Around the World, is television. Uh, how confident are you in uh, television? You can wager two, six, or eight. Um, let's go for six. Six points for television. Big TV guy? I'm pretty big. You've, you've already asked about two shows I haven't watched, so, so, so odds are you should ask about one I have watched, right? Uh, odds are, odds are. I mean, uh, that's why I ask because you didn't know the the other ones. But uh, perhaps uh, you know, like many people, you're you're of a time. So <laughs> I have a feeling you'll at least have uh, heard of what I'm talking about here. The question is with the, whether or not you'll uh, be able to dredge up the answer. But here we go. Although he has received two Golden Globe nominations in his career, 
This L.A. law veteran's only taste of the EGOT is a Grammy Award for Best Spoken Word Album in 2009. Who am I speaking about? Okay. Um, L.A. Law is a little before my time. My, my parents watched it. I think I was sort of around a little bit when it was on, but it was I, I was a child, so it was it was a little over my head. But I do know some of the names of the actors. Uh, we're not looking for Harry Hamlin. That would have been a prior episode. Jimmy Smith's, I believe, got his start on L.A. Law. But I do believe the only you actor that comes to mind, uh, I will go with Blair Underwood. Blair Underwood is your answer. Certainly uh, coming up with any you name uh, for this uh, enterprise is uh, going to be uh, probably uh, enough. <laughs> Uh, for this, yeah, uh, L.A. Law had one of those shows with a, a revolving door cast uh, over the years. But yes, Harry Hamlin, Susan Day were the uh, big couple of interest there at the beginning, the uh, love story. And then uh, yeah, Jimmy Smith entered the mix before he got the uh, NYPD blue role. And uh, Mr. Victor Cifuentes moved along uh, <laughs> to play Bobby Simone. And uh, yeah, uh, believe it or not, no Emmy nominations few Golden Globe nominations, one for his role on L.A. Law. It is indeed Blair Underwood who won the Grammy uh, alongside uh, a few other narrators of uh, uh, An Inconvenient Truth in 2009. They found someone more entertaining than Al Gore to read that book? Yeah, I believe Cynthia Nixon also uh, one of the one of the winners for that. Uh, yeah, sure. Why not? Why not indeed? Blair Underwood doesn't matter if you recall it all, but uh, you did get the point. So well done. Well, well remembered. Uh, you know, uh, you, you could have just uh, said you loved his work on The New Adventures of Old Christine, I suppose. He was, he was, he was on that show, too. That, that didn't you real hustle at all? <laughs> I, I would have named that short-lived show where he played the president that I watched all of, but I've already forgotten what it was called, so I, I couldn't name it. Uh, fair enough. I got nothing for you. So, uh, <laughs> uh, Potpourri! Potpourri is next. You have the high-low left, the, the two, the eight. Which would you like? Well, Poopery feels like it could be just about anything, so it feels prudent to go with the two on this one. Two for Poopery. Good luck. And here is your question, sir. The Fox Company in Brooklyn created this brand of chocolate syrup almost exclusively for use in egg creams. What is it? Okay, I just need a brand of chocolate syrup that begins with a U. There's really nothing more to this. Um, it's not Hershey's syrup. It's not uh, my uh, ATM password, Bosco. Um, boy, I don't know if I know this. Any other, uh, I don't know if this is an old thing that's out of fashion or if it's specifically a New York or East Coast thing, but I am not having it come to mind. Used in egg creams. Chocolate syrup brand that starts with you. I'll ponder a few more moments to see if anything jumps out at me. I, I think I maybe will recognize this answer when I hear it, but I don't think I'm going to come up with anything. So let's let's try to formulate a guess. Uh, no, I don't have it. Let's uh, let's revisit my previous guess, and we'll say this is called umbrella syrup. <laughs> umbrella syrup, absolutely. Uh, certainly could be. Uh, after all, uh, a lot of companies uh, name their brands after things that have nothing to do with the product in question uh so that wouldn't be the craziest answer uh I mean, as long as we keep that florida story out of it we're, we're fine uh so yes yeah, the bosco uh, was also a very prevalent 
uh, chocolate syrup at this time. Uh, both this company and Bosco used cocoa in their mix. The difference between uh, Bosco and this brand is that this brand uh, added a little bit of dry milk to the equation and uh, were... I'm from New York City, so uh, this was a very uh, ubiquitous brand when I was uh, growing up and uh, loved the egg creams. Uh, generally, they came they came not in the squeeze bottles, but with the with little squirters. You know, you you hit the the depressor and it, it would squirt out. Uh, in about 2010, they ended finally the practice of the giant tubs that you would just uh, uh, you know buy one and have it for the rest of your life <laughs> because most people bought one and had it for the rest of their lives <laughs> so they didn't really uh, have the need to sell those anymore uh, this is a brand of syrup called You Bet You Bet I don't think I've ever heard of it yeah, you with a little hyphen or a little dot and then bet. Uh, like I said, it's probably a regional thing, but uh, in terms of just uh, sheer volume of sales, they, they rank right up there despite really only having the one product. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So did you get that wrong? You bet. But uh, <laughs> you won't, I, I bet you won't get it wrong the next time. So there you go. Uh, and there's no eggs in egg cream, people, in case you didn't know. It's, 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 it's milk, it's chocolate or vanilla syrup. And it is seltzer. Very, very specific drink. And uh, I know most people hear that and just uh, want to run to the bathroom. So I, <laughs> I, I hear you. It, it's an acquired taste. Uh, Fungo is our last question of round three. It is also an acquired taste. It's going to be worth eight points to you. Here's how it works. There are going to be three clues, each alike in dignity, all pointing towards the same single answer. The idea is that uh, one of those three is bound to ring a bell and get you to that correct Answer, are you ready to tackle the fungo? I'm ready as all ever be. Of course, this being the you episode, you can't spell fungo without ungo. I don't know <laughs> what that means, but hey, here we go. Clue number one. Melody sung by Bobby Hatfield and his partner. Clue number two. Fox in 2012. Clue number three. Immortal 2018 PS4 release. Okay. Fox in 2012. Bobby Hatfield Melody. 2018 Immortal PS4 release. Uh-oh, I don't know any of these three things. That's not good. Uh-oh, is this starts with you, so... Well. Oh, not my answer. I didn't lock it in. <laughs> didn't lock it in. Um... Let's see what I can uh, attempt to fraud along these lines. Fox in 2012, likely to be a TV show, but not necessarily. Um, immortal. So it could be filling in the title. It could be Immortal Blank for the PS4. Hmm, 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 hmm. I don't know who Bobby Hatfield is, unfortunately. Oh, yes, I do. Melody is an important word. Now I see what's going on. I almost, uh, almost totally whiffed on this. Um, I think Bobby Hatfield must be one of the brothers, the Righteous Brothers. So you're referencing Unchained Melody. I don't know what Unchained is on Fox. That must be a uh, short-lived TV show. Maybe it's referring to the Prison Break reboot, but I don't know if that's the right year. And then Immortal Unchained, that sure sounds like it could be a video game. So I'm going to hope I haven't totally botched this and go with the answer of Unchained. 
Unchained is your answer. You were correct in that uh, the PlayStation 4 release and other formats, but uh, the most popular version from my research was PlayStation 4 is uh, fill-in-the-blank, immortal blank. So that is indeed uh, what we're looking for there from that video game. Bobby Hatfield, not the most famous member of his duo. That would be his uh, partner, Bill Medley, as they formed the Righteous Brothers and sang together, Oh, my love. Everyone remembers it from the ghost pottery scene. It is Unchained Melody. And, of course, Jamie Foxx in 2012 was Django ah, Unchained. Ah, Fox with two X's. I, I, totally, I totally missed it. That's the beauty of Fungo. You <laughs> only need to go with one of them to celebrate in the fun. Eight points for you on that one. A very high-scoring round. 18 out of a possible 20 points. We are going to add that 18 to the 32 you had coming into the round. And... Wowzers, 50 points, 5-0, the big 5-0, and we still have the highest scoring round left to go. I mean, I mean, I mean. <laughs> Hopefully you're going to keep this uh, ball rolling here as we uh, move into uh, historic territory. Uh, very few people surpass that 50-point threshold. Let's see if you can do so. As the point values increase to three, five, seven, and nine for round four, here are the categories we're going to be using to round out the game. Kicking things off with history. Moving along to what comes next, followed up with audio hodgepodge, which admittedly is a bit of a lifestyle. And we're going to wrap up round four and regulation play with science. First things first, history, three, five, seven, or nine. Um, let's, uh, let's roll the dice. Let's go with nine on history. Nine points on history. Roll the dice. Move your mice. Here is your nine-point history question. He's believed to have been inspired by an upstate New York beef supplier named Wilson, who supplied the American Army during the War of 1812. Who is this successor to Brother Jonathan? Um, okay. Inspired by an upstate New York beef supplier. All right. I think I know what's going on here. Um... Brother Jonathan, I think, must be a uh, national symbol either of the early U.S. or possibly from the U.K. I'm not sure which, but I think what you're going for is the uh, more recent symbol of our country, uh, simply known as Uncle Sam. This story is probably apocryphal and not quite uh, exactly how uh, this came about, but it's one of the explanations that has uh, become at least uh, popularized in legendary form. But uh, this guy named Wilson uh, supplied the American army with beef during the War of 1812. And in order to separate the quality of beef that he was giving to the army versus the quality of beef he was providing everybody else, he put a big U.S. on the bags of beef. Uh, the U.S. kind of began to symbolize not only the United States, but, of course, uh, good old Uncle Sam Wilson, uh, who kind of looked like what the cartoon eventually became. Uh, the U.K. had previously cartoonized uh, the United States as this uh, nemesis called Brother Jonathan and Kind of, uh, you know, uh, it wasn't until the recruitment posters that it really became uh, a, a big deal. And, you know, 
uh, Thomas Nast later on. But War of 1812, Uncle Sam, it's all good. You are correct, sir. Nine points for you. Well done. Thank you, Adrian. I, I, I wasn't sure you were going to get there at first, and then you quickly, quickly said, uh, where's the beef? Here's the beef. <laughs> all right. What comes next? Well, what comes next comes next. And so I ask you, what comes next? Is it the three? Is it the five? Or is it the seven? Um, we will uh, go for seven on what comes next. Seven on what comes next. Good luck. And here is your question. Boutros, Boutros, Gali. Javier Perez de Cuellar. Kurt Waldheim. What comes next? Um, okay. These are... Uh politicians, uh, world leaders. Specifically, I believe these are all former secretaries general of the United Nations. And we're going backwards from Butros Butros Gali in the 90s. So we're back to the 80s and into the 70s, where I know there was one that started with you. I think he was from Burma. And that would be Yutant. Yutant is your answer. Well, uh, we are indeed talking about UN Secretaries General, as you so wonderfully put it. Uh, we are indeed uh, moving through time. We have Boutros Boutros Gali, Javier Perez de Cuellar, Kurt Waldheim, and from 1961 through 71, from the country known as Myanmar today, uh, we have U. Indeed, well done. Seven more points for you. You cannot be stopped. Unstoppable, one might say. Good job. These were the, all the uh, Secretary General uh, prior to uh, Kofi Annan, which, of course, as we all know, if you're Jewish, the Kofi Annan is what you hide at a Seder, and the kids go looking for the Kofi Annan. <laughs> uh, the three people are laughing because they know what I'm saying. But anyway... <laughs> Thank you for, for being one of the chucklers. Uh, Audio Hodgepodge is up next. Uh, you can wager either three or five. What do you think? Um, audio questions. Almost sure to put a stop to the unstoppable, at least for me. So I'm going to go with three. Three points for Audio Hodgepodge. Very well. Good luck. Here's how it works. I am going to read you a question. When I am done with the question, I'm going to play a little clip for you. And the idea is that when you are done listening to the clip, you will be able to furnish me with the correct answer to said question. And if I were a gambling man, I would probably wager on you getting this one right. No pressure. I'm just saying I would probably wager on you getting this right. Uh, we are, uh, again, saying otherwise for this one, sir. Here is your question. No you required in the answer because I am asking you to name for me. The movie from which the following word snippets come. What you're about to hear in this clip is every single U word spoken in the course of this movie sorted alphabetically. Uncle, 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 uncle. Underestimate. Understand. 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 Uniform. Unit. 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 Unit.
Okay. Well, it's a lot of you words. I I I I'm, I'm astounded at where that clip came from. If if you did that yourself, that that had to be quite quite the process. I I had literally nothing for ninety percent of the clip. I heard I heard a British voice saying unlikely. Um, and, and luckily, a light bulb went off in the very final seconds. I think I've worked this out, which it would have been crazy to miss this because I have seen this movie many, many times. But uh, I heard the word used uh, being spoken in the unmistakable voice of uh, Sir Alec Guinness. And I believe he was saying, use the force, Luke. And that would be from his uh, ghostly appearance in the uh, closing scenes of uh, the first Star Wars film, A New Hope. So assuming I've not misidentified that, I am going to lock in with Star Wars. I did not put that clip together myself. No, I, uh, <laughs> I, uh, there are uh, a myriad people out there with a lot of free time on their hands who, who, who do this. They take classic movies uh and they alphabetize it and put the snippets on there and it's it i i i don't know why i don't know why i'm just happy happy to have the clip there uh yeah it's it's always fun when you get to like uh there are certain moments where it does just uh it's very rhythmic it's it does have a certain kind of uh musicality to it but uh yeah, what a waste of time. Anywho, uh, yeah, I listened to this, and there were definitely like two or three moments that I thought might give it away to someone if they were listening. Uh, certainly, uh, one of the uncles early on, it's unmistakable. Uncle being, Owen. Yeah, and uh, uh, definitely uh, by the time you get to use. <laughs> For those of you uh, listening on the podcast, when I started my wonderful video call with mr frank here i couldn't help but notice the shirt he was wearing which is a star wars shirt and uh, of course knowing that the audio hodgepodge was coming up i i had a good feeling about this sir and uh, i was not let down star wars is the correct answer episode four a new hope as we know added on as a title later but the original star wars film yes that is indeed correct well done three points to you I, I, I used the force, and it, it came through this time. Indeed. Well, hopefully, sir, that uh, this final question will not... Your answer to this will not be delayed, because you have to go down to pick up the power converters at Toshi Station! Uh, we're going to give you a five-point science question. Not science fiction, but science facts. Are you ready, sir? I'm ready. For a perfect round four, here is your five-point science question. Disco Dingo and Bionic Beaver are the most recent releases... Of what? Known for its commitment to security and a free open source nature. Commitment to security and its free open source nature. So this is some sort of uh, computer software. Disco Dingo Bionic Beaver. Well, there's, uh, there's McAfee and there's Norton Antivirus, but I don't think that's what we're looking for. Um, open source. Well, I only have one idea. Any sort of uh, computer software that starts with a U. I don't know if this is right, but it might be. 
it's uh, more of an operating system. And they probably do have uh, specific names for the various operating systems. And this this sounds like it could be correct that it is open sourced, but I don't know any. I don't know enough to know if I'm right or wrong. But I will go with Unix. Definitely, we are looking in the uh, computer software universe here. Absolutely, and uh, yeah, this is one of the operating systems. Uh, it's a Linux distribution system. Uh, it comes from a uh, African phrase, its name, which means, or loosely translates to, I am what I am because of who we all are, which is just a fancy way of saying open source nature, as anyone can uh, is free to kind of update and make tweaks to it. These uh, releases are considered very secure because uh, they are constrained. They do not allow for releases to stay on the market too long. They update them every six months or so and then discard the old one so that you can't find any backdoors because they've already changed it. And this is a system known as Ubuntu. Oh, I've, I've heard of that. I don't know anything about it. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, Unix was definitely a, a valid uh, neck of the woods type answer. Uh, I can't feel too bad for you because, uh, I mean, that's only the second question you've gotten wrong this half. Uh, highest scoring round, 19 points out of a possible 24. That's pretty darn good. And we're going to add those 19 to the 50 that we had coming in. So, all right, Snicker, go ahead, get it out of your system. Go ahead and giggle. 69, dude. I, 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 the entire game was leading up to this. It went just as I planned, AJ. Excellent. Bogus. Uh, those are your two options uh, going forward, I guess. Uh, 69 points as we enter the confidence question. This is your last chance, Jeff, to try and improve your final score. Only one question is before you. Only one answer is required. I will give you the category, and you must, must, wager between 1 and 10 points. Get it right, and I will add it to your score begrudgingly so. But get it wrong. Oh, oh, oh get it wrong. Not only will you lose those precious points, sir. Oh, nay, nay, that is not all. I will freeze you in carbonite and uh, send you off to Java. Uh, that's what I'm going to do. Look, I got nothing. You had nothing wrong. <laughs> Very little to work from here. Uh, so I ask you, sir, on a scale of 1 to 10, how confident are you in what category? Well, as you know, uh, this season, I've asked my hot seat guests to provide me with three options of categories for which I will choose. Jeff has graciously provided. I have deviously selected. So, how confident are you, sir, in must-see TV? Well, if I pick the category, then I must be confident. So, I feel like I'd be a fool not to bet 10. 10 points, must-see TV. Uh, good luck, sir. And here we go. Of course, must-see TV... Started off with L.A. Law, believe it or not. It was uh, in that window of shows. Uh, let's see how you do. We've already had one of those questions. I will not repeat myself with another L.A. Law question, but let's see how you, well you do here. A cop show with no bite. Battery Park was a 2000 entry in the NBC Thursday juggernaut, which, of course, lasted for only four episodes before getting yanked in favor of Frasier reruns. What was the name of the production company responsible for this piece of drack? Battery Park. I remember the show. I don't remember who was on it or anything about it. No, it exists. Certainly don't know who produced it. Hmm. And I guess a production company that has a U word. Any chance I can figure this out? Um, hmm. 
Well, I don't think this is going to be the right answer. The, the, the Universal is the company that owns NBC, and they probably have an in-house production company. It feels very unlikely to be right. But if I don't come up with anything that feels better, I will probably guess Universal. Well, let's give it a few more moments for inspiration to strike. No, I don't think I'm going to get this, but I will. But I will lock in with the wild guess of Universal. Not a shabby guess at all. Uh, like I said, NBC Universal. Certainly today, that would be a uh, very likely answer. Uh, so, Battery Park was, uh, well, it was bad. <laughs> Certainly. Uh, it starred Elizabeth Perkins as the uh, head of a police department that, uh, you know, didn't quite uh, live up to snuff, hence the comedic nature of things. Uh, Henry Winkler actually received an Emmy nomination for a guest-starring role uh, in this, and he probably would have won the Emmy for it. Unfortunately, they figured out on a technicality that the episode that he was in aired just after the deadline, so they rescinded the nomination, which is why he had to wait until uh, until Barry came out <laughs> so many years later for him to probably get the uh, the Emmy that uh, he was uh, so deserving of all these years. Hey, but none of that is relevant to this. I said that this was a cop show with no bite, uh, no bark either. Uh, I mentioned that because this production company uh, is one that has one of the most famous post-show title cards of all time and is almost synonymous with an NBC program. It is a production company helmed by one Mr. Gary David Goldberg uh, from Family Ties fame. And it is Ubu Productions, named after his dog, Ubu. Are you familiar with the uh, sit, Ubu, sit? I probably should have been paying better attention to the wording as the uh, the and the bite totally, uh, totally sailed past me. Like, I could have made that connection had I been in the right mind frame, but, but that's all right. I would definitely say things are all right. There is uh, no shame at all in a 59-point performance. Uh, one would say there's there's a shame to anyone who follows you in this seat because that's a, a high bar to try and rise up to. Congratulations, sir. Well done. Well, well triviaed. Well, well puzzled. Uh, before I uh, evict you from this hot seat, is there anything that you would like to uh, opine about, uh, crow about? I mean, you you've certainly earned it. Take your moment and run with it. Um, I don't know if it's too late for anyone to make plans, but I feel like I should throw out a plug for the uh, Trivia Nationals coming up in August in Las Vegas. Uh, the website's trivianationals.org, and I feel like if you're listening to this podcast, you are the correct audience, and if you don't go this year, you should uh, check it out in the future. It should be a great time. I'll be there. Excellent, and when you come up to him, uh, you know, be sure to, to mock him about all those questions he got wrong. There weren't many. But uh, <laughs> uh, he won't be the one in the Ubu Productions t-shirt, however. And someone, eh, there's one out there. Buy him one. Hey. <laughs> Sir, thank you so much for uh, stepping into the hot seat. Uh, you uh, were an excellent guest, as always. An excellent score. Now get out. I, 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 will, I will find the door. Okay, uh, it was a lot of fun. I appreciate what you do. And uh, we'll see you in the future, hopefully. Uh, yes, indeed. Uh, we're certainly in a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Thank you so much, Jeff. Thank you all for listening. We will be back next time with uh, our fingers in the air, raised in a V for victory. Until then, take care, everyone, and bye-bye.
Did you beat our guest? Or did our guest beat you? Tell us all about it on Twitter at BMGPod. Also, please review and rate us on iTunes. And if you like what you've heard, spread the word. This has absolutely not been a Mark Goodson, Bill Todman production. Sit, Ubu, sit. Good dog.